Welcome back, everybody. Um, Unranked Podcast here for another episode. Um, got Grant here. Actually, I'm going to be me this week. Um, Elijah's actually, if not mistaken, in route to Las Vegas at the moment. So um, all of our listeners, send him some good luck. Um, hopefully he gets on the roulette table, wins him, wins him a little bit of money. But uh, yeah, no, I hope everybody had a great um, Thanksgiving week, uh, Thanksgiving holiday, Thanksgiving weekend as well. I uh, hope everybody's able to eat some good food, and I hope that everybody's able to tune into that um, game Saturday. Um, obviously, I'm talking about the Michigan-Ohio State game. Um, you know, it's probably one of the best performances I've ever seen a Michigan team put on. Um, we're definitely going to dive into that um, on this episode. Also, going to talk about um, the top four. Um, obviously, a new one released on Tuesday, so really just want to kind of see what that's going to um, look like, especially with this un- upcoming weekend, there's a lot of different scenarios to where we could have potentially two SEC teams in there. Um, Cincinnati might crack the top four, you know, if they handle business, uh, I think they'll definitely need some help. Big 12 thought they might've been out of it this year, but um, a couple of teams were able to find their way into that top, that top eight. Um, it looks like, or excuse me, top nine <clears throat> looks like, so they might have an outside shot at it. And, um, yeah, Michigan, they control their own destiny. Georgia's pretty much a lock. Um, Notre Dame's hanging around a little bit. Uh, the new coachless Notre Dame, I should also add. Um, we'll also be talking about um, USC and LSU. Obviously, they made some pretty big-time uh, coaching hires uh, within the past few days. Um, just dig in on some of those contracts they signed, or some of those coaches signed, um, and how that just kind of looks you know, for college football as a whole. Uh, especially for a team like, or for a school, I should say, like USC. Um, they've kind of been down the last few years. Um, I personally feel like that's a top, you know, top three uh, coaching job um, in all of college football. So I think that's uh, going to be kind of in- interesting to see what they're able to do. And obviously LSU, um, you know, they have the players. I think their issue has kind of always been the coaching um, and the talent development. So we had to see what uh, Brian Kelly can do with them. But we're definitely going to have to dig in here on the Michigan-Ohio State game, man. I mean, that was a huge victory. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that. You know, I think that I thought that, you know, we had it and it felt like, you know, this year was our year. But, you know, all this year in Michigan, um, you guys have guys been listening to tuning in, you know, the last few episodes we've had. You know, for me, it's always been like, you know, obviously it's great if we beat Wisconsin. We beat the, um, you know, the Purdue's and the, the Iowa's and Minnesota's and, um, you know, those schools. But um, I wanted what always means the most to me when it comes to Michigan is beating Michigan State, Ohio State. Obviously, we couldn't get Ohio or Michigan State this year. Um, it is what it is, you know. But the fact that we were able to you know, beat down on Ohio State the way we did, I mean, that was that was a performance that uh, that was huge. Um, so. Hopefully we're able to carry the momentum into the, uh, this weekend. Got another big time matchup. Um, Harbaugh should definitely have him prepared, but uh, we'll just go ahead and see. So some of the key takeaways I had from the Ohio State Michigan game, man, was really just um, they were able to control time of possession, control the line of scrimmage, and I always say that to me. Anybody that knows me and my close friends, they know me. They um, they probably hear me say a thousand times. I always feel like the most important thing to do is just run the football. I know um, college football and even the NFL is kind of trying to turn into this like pass happy league. 
leagues where, you know, run the football is a little secondary at a point. Um, it always kind of just like bugs me. You know, you see teams ultimately just end up losing a game because they weren't able to, they didn't think they needed to establish the run or, you know, they didn't run the ball enough or, you know, they weren't um, running it consistently. Um, you know, got teams nowadays are passing on first, second and third down, um, which I think is just kind of crazy sometimes, but that's all Michigan did um, this past Saturday. Um, they had our bell cow, Hassan Haskins, five touchdowns. Um, I believe he just scored again. Um, so on that Ohio State defense, um, just pure, pure domination, running the football. Um, Ohio State's defense, they just, de- they just didn't know what to do. Um, our O-line, we got to give them a lot of credit, obviously. They just dominated, pushed them guys off the ball every time. Pretty sure Haskins averaged like five or six yards of carry, too, which is nuts. Um, Quorum came in there on one leg and somehow found a way to run for 70 yards. Um yeah, it's just a great, great team win overall. And, you know, just kind of shifting gears over to the defense now. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think uh, if Aiden Hutchinson, if he's able to have as big a game um, this weekend as he did um, last weekend, you know, I think he might need some help here and there. You know, if Bama falls or, you know, some of those other, other Heisman hopefuls, you know, don't have – or I, I feel like if Hutchinson – has as big a game as he did last weekend, and Bryce Young loses um, this weekend to Georgia, I think you have to – this might be the first year a defensive player gets the Heisman. Um, you already broke the sack record um, at Michigan. I mean, that was a record that was hanging uh, up there for a minute. I mean, I think it's back to like 06, 07 when uh, Lamar Woodley – I think that was the one who actually had the record previously. Um, so – yeah, I mean, just just very impressive performance. I mean, all week we were just kind of talk, thinking about how um, what it would come down to would be really Ohio State's, you know, their, their passing attack with those three first-rounders at wide receiver against, you know, our two first-rounders at um, defensive end and linebacker coming off that edge. So ended up working for us um, in our favor. And I know, you know, you got some people saying, like, we shouldn't be the have some people saying that just because that's our first win in 10 years and this, that, and the third, but Hey, you know, I'm going to have my moment. Um, I'm going to definitely enjoy this. I mean, the last time they beat Ohio state, I was 18 years old. So um, it's been, been quite a while um, since that that's happened. And yeah, I mean, it's overall great performance. Um, I've, I've probably been one of the ones giving hardball a lot of uh, slack and just, you know, not giving them, you know, just kind of being really critical of them because I do feel like there's times with some of these games that he's dropped in the past few years, it shouldn't have been losses. And, you know, a lot of the times the way teams played was kind of, I put them on his shoulders. I, you know, I feel like he didn't prepare them, but I mean, he had, you know, that, that him and that coach staff had the perfect game plan. Um, and it, and this hardball, I mean, this year, it feels like this is old hardball, the hardball that first, that Michigan first uh, hired. Um, he's got that swagger back. Um, he's definitely, you know, talking his shit uh, uh, post-game. Um, he's doing a lot, you know, just a lot of things he was doing when he first got there. He's doing them again now. So that bodes well for the team as a whole. And um, like I said, we got to handle business this weekend. And so I, well, I mean, they're a pretty good team. Um, they can, they, they force a lot of turnovers. I think they had a couple games this year. They forced like five or six, five plus turnovers, which is insane. Um, that defense is solid. 
Uh, I think they kind of have a QB by committee thing going on. I'll be honest, I didn't do a ton of research on them. Haven't really watched a ton of Iowa this year. Um, but, you know, they always kind of run the ball well. Um, they've definitely ruined a couple playoff opportunities or one playoff opportunity in particular for us in the past few years. We went down there um, the year we uh, we were like second in the country at the time and a couple calls didn't go our way and ended up beating us. We were 11 and 0, if I'm not mistaken, no, 10 and 0, if I'm not mistaken, at the time. Um, and yeah, you know, sometimes it happens though. So, but uh, yeah, what we're going to go ahead and do now is kind of shift gears. I wanted to talk about um, what these rankings are looking like, the college football playoff rankings. Um, we got quite a few different scenarios that could come come to fruition um, after this Saturday. Um, so obviously, Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Bama three, Cincinnati four, Oklahoma State five, Notre Dame six, Ohio seven, Ole Miss eight, nine is Baylor, and 10 is Oregon. Um, so right now, Cincinnati is sitting in there in the top four. I Man, I still feel like. I think they deserve it. I mean, they, they got that, that, that Notre Dame win. I mean, that's a great win. They got a win against number six team in the country at Notre Dame. They beat them by a pretty, pretty decent amount of points as well. So I think that's still impressive. Good to see them in there. Um, they're definitely going to need, you know, some help in order to, I think, stand that spot because, I mean, there's going to be a lot going on. I mean, if, if Bama beats Georgia, I think that might kick. Bama to like two, um, maybe, maybe, or, or kick, excuse me, kick Georgia to two, maybe put Bama to one. Um, Michigan might slip to three. You know, it's a lot of different scenarios. You got the Big 12, where it's Oklahoma State and Baylor. Oklahoma State's at five, Baylor's at nine. I mean, Oklahoma State wins. I mean, that's a win against a top 10 team. Um, they could they could easily jump Cincinnati. Um, I feel like <clears throat> even at Notre Dame, they're kind of sitting at home on the couch, and sometimes that's the best place to be this late in the season because you don't have an opportunity to mess up and lose or, you know, kind of put yourself out of contention. Um, so a lot going on. Uh, everybody's kind of – how it kind of looks and shakes out. I mean, everybody really has kind of, you know, controls their own destiny to a certain extent. I mean, if Michigan wins, it's a lot. Um, I think they'll, you know, they'll be locked in at number one, number, or excuse me, not number one, number two or number three. Um, so we'll have to just kind of see how things unfold, um, but definitely going to be some some exciting, exciting football this weekend um, that I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, this is the first time in a while that Michigan's been playing um, some meaningful football this late in the season. So it's just, um, it's just a good thing to see. Um, and we'll have to just kind of see how things It'll turn out when it comes uh comes down to Saturday. But what I would like, I would like for Georgia to get Bama so we don't have to see Bama. I think that if that happens and if Oklahoma State wins, I think it'd be a Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State playoff. I think those top four teams, I think that'd be a, that'd be a nice, uh, a nice top four. So we're going to see though, man. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be real tough. I mean, I think when we kind of, we're looking down, to, looking down at it, when it comes down to it, Cincinnati might be on the outside looking in. That's very, very possible for that to happen. Um, 
you know, the, the committee is not big on, you know, the group five schools. Um, it's all really just been like style points for them the whole season. They got to blow everybody out by 40. And I mean, their matchup, they don't, it's not a cakewalk either. They got to play Houston. I mean, that's a team that puts up a lot of numbers, puts up a lot of points, puts up a lot of yards. Um, somebody that they definitely should not take serious. And, I, and if you ask me, I feel like they got to beat them by at least 14 to 21 to kind of solidify themselves as a team that belongs to, in that um, top four. So we'll see, though. We'll see. Definitely, like I said, definitely going to be a lot of exciting football this weekend and something I'm definitely looking forward to um, tuning in with. Um, yeah, for sure. So I'm going to go ahead and shift gears here, man. Talk about some of these new <clears throat> new hires around college football. It's always a time of year where that starts to happen. It's always a weird year, too, because one thing I just kind of I just learned and uh, found out was uh, like recruiting. I believe it. The recruiting session, it. It ends around December 15. I'm not exactly what it is. I don't. I know. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't follow the recruiting side of the game a whole lot. I'm trying to kind of get a little bit better at it, but it's just a lot sometimes. Um, but I know December 15th. That is a date that you know a lot of these coaches are having to. You know whether they got to play in a conference championship conference championship game or not, they still got to find a way to go recruit and kind of lock up. You know some of those potential um, guys that are going to be coming in. Um, you know to their program and. We literally just watched Lincoln Riley lose on a Saturday night. And from what I saw him say earlier this week in an interview, he lost that game, got word that USC won to have a conversation with him, had a couple hours of sleep, got up and talked to um, USC, um, you know, talked with his family about it. And, uh, and I'm, I already know after that contract, I mean, it was pretty much a no-brainer. So I just want to pull up the contract just to <laughs> – just because it is pretty ridiculous. Um, the amount of money he signed for just as long – you know, along with all the incentives and everything. So this is Lincoln and Riley's contract for USC. And, yeah, I mean, I see why it took him less than two days to decide that he was going to make that move. Um $110 million, USC buying both of his homes in Norman for $500,000 over asking price. So that's basically a $100 million bonus. Buying him a $6 million home in LA, and he has an unlimited use for a private jet, 24-7 access for his family. So people are going to be mad at him. You know, obviously the Oklahoma faithful, I know they're, you know, that probably – that program's probably in flames right now. They just don't know what to do with themselves. They got kids that committed there that are decommitting and probably going to commit to Oklahoma. Um, but I don't think anybody on, in, this, in this world will turn this type of offer down. Um, and I like, I mean, like I said earlier, I feel like USC, I feel like that's probably the, probably like a top three, top five coaching job in all of college football. Um, I mean, I really feel like he has an opportunity to kind of control the West Coast. Um I mean, you got Oregon. I mean, they're solid, but they always kind of find a way to just I – mean, they had that um, huge, huge win against Ohio, you know, at Ohio. Um, they were rolling, ended up losing like Stanford, um, lost – you know, got beat down a lot, you know, on, in primetime television, uh, playing Utah. Um, so they're – you know, they're obviously going to be there. They're probably the best team in the conference right now. Um and then you got like Utah. Utah's doing okay. Chip Kelly has um, UCLA kind of, kind of getting, getting to be a little bit more competitive. 
But I think Lincoln Riley could have that team competing for a, um, a national championship in a couple of years for sure. I mean, it's, it's in L.A. I mean, California is probably one of the greatest states for football. Um, you got a lot of kids right now around the country that are from California that are starting. I'm pretty sure Bryce Young is from California, uh, plays for Bama. Um, DJ, hopefully I say his name right, like it's you lately. Um, he's playing um, for Clemson right now. He's from California. I mean, Lincoln Riley already got a five-star California kid supposed to go to Oklahoma. And less than, less than a day after he signed, that kid already decommitted from Oklahoma and went to USC. Um, and everybody knows Lincoln Riley. I mean, he's got that, that college QB, the college QB whisperer, um, you know, having Baker and Kyler Murray being number one overall picks. Uh, I think he basically saved Jalen Hurts' um, career in a sense to where um, Jalen Hurts probably wasn't even going to be looking to be drafted as high as he was after leaving um, Bama. But uh, Lincoln Riley was able to help him out with some mechanics, decision-making, things along those lines, and get him to where he is at now as a starting quarterback um, in the league. I mean, Lincoln Riley got three starting QBs in the league right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be able to do – they're going to be a lockdown pretty much all that talent in L.A., um, and I think he's going to get that program rolling, rolling very, very quickly. So we'll shift gears here and just kind of talk about Notre Dame a little bit. <clears throat> Brian Kelly just kind of really did them. I mean, I, don't know, I feel like he did kind of do them dirty, but I mean, it is a business. He signed for, um, I think, right around like $95 million. Um, I don't really, I didn't really see like what any incentives he had were, but I'm sure they're nice. Um and it was just kind of crazy because, you know, there's a screenshot going around on Twitter right now that he basically had to message his kids in like a group chat, um, kids on the team, on Notre Dame's team, because the news got out that he was going to be moving on from Notre Dame and going to LSU um, before he was able to tell them. And I mean, I mean, he had the nerve to have him come in at like 7 a.m. and it was an 11 minute meeting. And he and then next thing you know, he was back into his car and on a plane heading to LSU. Um, another great, another great coaching spot. I mean, I think that's a, you know, arguably top five, if not top five, top 10 coaching spot. Um, I think, um, he's going to, LSU has always had, always had the talent, always had the talent. I mean, they've always done a great job of just bring, you know, keeping a lot of them kids, um, in Louisiana, keeping them home. You know, Texas is right there. You know, they're able to kind of snag some kids from there. Florida, I mean, they got kids that have come from Cali. Um, you know, they're, you know, definitely uh, one of them schools where they don't really need to say and do a whole a whole lot. I mean, they're just who they are. Um, and kids definitely understand that. And they've seen the NFL talent, um, the highest winners that have come out of there. So um, they're definitely, name speaks for itself. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see what he's going to be able to do, though. I mean, he, I don't like him as a person. Um, Never met him or anything, but I've definitely heard some things about him that I don't like. Um, but he knows how to coach. I mean, he was able to go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is in South Bend, Indiana, basically in the middle of nowhere. Probably got one of the some of the hardest, I mean, academic requirements in the country. Um, and he was able to put together a great program, over 100 wins in like 10 years. Um, took him to the playoff the last like two out of three years. Um, I mean, really just had that had them run like a well-oiled machine um, for a, quite a while. So I, I don't have any, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, he'll have them up and running in the next couple of years. Only thing with them is just like, 
they just got to see Bama. They got to see Georgia. They got to see Florida. I mean, Texas a and I mean, you got to see, you know, I mean, even like schools like Kentucky, Ole Miss, Tennessee. Um, it's just not a, not a cakewalk. Not to say Notre Dame plays a very relatively tough schedule being an independent team. That's one thing I don't. I don't like Notre Dame, never been a big fan of Notre Dame, but I do respect the fact that they're willing to go and play some tough teams. I mean, they play um, USC every year. Um, you know, they obviously have been down last few years, but I mean, that's never a, never a um, easy, easy team to um, play against. They always end up having a ton of athletes, regardless how good or how bad they are. Um, playing Stanford, I mean, once again, they're kind of down too now, but they've always been solid, just super consistent football team. Um, you know, they played Clemson. They played an ACC schedule a couple of years ago, ended up making it all the way to the ACC championship. Um, they'll always, you know, they don't really welcome them cupcake games as a lot of these bigger schools do earlier on in the season. I mean, they're willing to, you know, test the waters against like, you know, even this year, like playing Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a top 10 team. They didn't get the job done. But I mean, just the fact that, you know, they're welcoming those types of matchups. Um, you just got to kind of respect that. Um so he's got to see some. He's got to. He's going to see you know a lot of a lot of talented schools, and that recruiting is going to be um, very very competitive. Um, so I think as long as he's able to do his thing within the state of Louisiana, um, and just kind of cover you know, get into Texas and get into Florida, um, you know, and just really you know hone in and lock in on those on those guys. I mean, every I think I feel like every school always ends up having those kids you got to just get, you know, at the end of the day, year to year. Um, you know, there's some that kind of come and go and, you know, teams and schools and coaches know like, okay, like we didn't really have a chance. We, we didn't really, you know, we weren't really in the run to begin with, but, you know, you got to make, they got to definitely make sure that they do what they can to on that recruiting side of things. Cause that's what, I mean, I think the SEC, like, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're fighting against Bama. I mean, kids are, they're just committing, not even going on trips to Bama anymore from what I've heard. I mean, they're really to that level to where now, I mean, they don't really need to. I mean, Nick Saban's going to their house and he's, you know, got five, six championship rings on, and that's really all they need to see. I mean, he's got he's getting at least three or four first round draft picks um, in the NF in the NFL every year. So um he doesn't really need to do a ton on his end, at least at this point in his career, I'm assuming. Um, so well, it'd be interesting. It'd be real interesting because you know, Brian Kelly, you know, I saw, heard a couple of interviews he had, you know, he, you know, basically saying he wants to smoke, you know, he wants that, he wants to play on that biggest, you know, on the biggest stage, you know, at the biggest level. I mean, I think SEC, uh, I think it's pretty, pretty fair to call them the best uh, football conference in all of college football. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see what he, we'll see what he can cook up. Um, so yeah, I mean, both of those are, are solid, solid hires. I think if I had to choose between which one, um, who might end up being more successful, I would say, um, I think, I think Lincoln Riley, I think he has a chance to be a little bit more successful as I kind of stated early, earlier. Um, I mean, the, the, the schools, there's not just that many good schools out in the Pac-12 right now. I mean, they're, they're a lot of those guys, I mean, a lot of those schools are bottom feeders. I mean, I don't, can't tell you, I've, the last time I've seen like multiple Pac-12 schools ranked like within like the top 10, top 15, top 20. Um, it just doesn't really happen anymore. Um, so, but I think USC, man, I mean, I remember growing up as a kid and just, you know, you watch, you know, we watched Michigan. You know, they obviously, they came on at noon. 
always kind of tune into some games now like 3.30 slot or, you know, the 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock slot. But, I mean, it was always kind of cool just as you, you know, winding down, going to bed, able to cut on USC. You see Reggie Bush, you see Mike Williams, Matt Leiner, Lindell White, you know, all this talent that they had, you know, in the backfield or on the outside, um, and just watching them, you know, put 55, 60, um, you know, up on Arizona State or, you know, UCLA or whoever they were playing that week. Um, but I think that both these coaches are definitely going to have um, things rolling pretty quickly. I mean, they've shown that they can run a roll machine um, at the programs they were at previously. Um, and those aren't pro easy programs to be at either. Um, so all in due time, I feel like that'll be, it'd be good to see USC relevant again. And um, it'll be interesting to see LSU, you know, having to, you know, go toe to toe with the Bamas and the Georgias um, of the, of the world in the near, you know, near future over the next few years here. So, but with that being said, man, um, that's all I have for you all today. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, Eli and I both should be back um, next week. So you don't have to hear me rambling by myself to me more times going forward. Um, until next time, um, you guys have a good rest of your week.